0: Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this. Me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markeia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. If you're like me, you are living for those deliveries right now. Those packages that show up at your door. Sometimes you remember ordering them, but other times... You have to actually open them to remember that it is something that you've ordered. Of course, I'm speaking from personal experience right now. Because all of us out here, we love unboxing, don't we? And especially, we love unboxing horrors. When there's more inside than we were led to believe. Sometimes it's a package. And other times, it's what lurks inside buildings, loved ones, or even treasured gifts. Find out how unexpected things can wait inside a box full of horrors. First, another day brings another special delivery. Next, find out what happens when you separate haunted dolls. After that, an ancient demon joins a game of hide-and-seek. And finally... A story of death and a house that won't let you rest. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com slash snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support something scary, consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, you can help the show and also be a part of it. Hear your name featured in a story on the podcast or weekly video and see ad-free episodes. For more information, visit patreon.com/snarled. So, want to hear something scary? Deadly Delivery. When every day feels like the same as the one before, your sanity can be pushed to the limit. In this story, a day-to-day life becomes a matter of life and death. Dylan's email popped up with an alert. Packages have been delivered. He had fallen asleep next to his computer again. It was a day like all the rest, monotonous. But getting a notification of deliveries arriving gave him an exhilarating feeling. Just last week, he was able to nab a gaming system that was hard to find in stores. However, a mysterious package that had arrived the day before had caught him off guard. Inside of it had been a weird, ancient-looking jar. After opening that, he found nothing inside except a weird, earthy smell. As he rushed along the hallway to get to the lobby, he passed the painting of a moonlit valley by his apartment door and noticed that it was hung crookedly. He stopped to fix it, but the painting swayed back to its crooked position. The lights flickered, the air was still, and a wave of deja vu came over Dylan. Trying to shake it off, he continued down the hall toward the lobby when he heard... Looking back, he saw the painting was on the floor. Dylan approached it carefully when a drop of something wet landed on the cracked frame. Dylan leaned in closer, and then another drop landed on his head. He touched it, and it was a bit thicker than water. It was saliva with strands of red mucus. Dylan's eyes widened as he looked up. Above him, staring at him hungrily, was a naked humanoid creature with pale, almost gray skin. Its eyes were white, its teeth jagged. In an instant, its jaw gaped wide open as if unhinged. Catapulting towards him, its dagger-like teeth tore into his throat as the full weight of the thing tackled him to the ground. Then darkness... Dylan woke up at his desk again. Disoriented, he looked at the message that flashed on his laptop screen. Packages have been delivered. Dylan was unsure what came over him, but he wasted no time as he checked his empty doorstep. He ran as fast as he could past the crooked painting of the moonlit valley. His footsteps echoed down the hallway and he heard The creature scurried along the roof, hissing and screeching as it chased Dylan. It grabbed him, and its snarling jaws were the last thing Dylan saw before, darkness. Dylan couldn't believe his eyes as he read the same notification from before. Was he having a dream within a dream? He wondered if he was truly awake. The days seemed to blend into each other so often now. He pinched himself. He was awake and alive. That thing couldn't be real. Nevertheless, he felt ridiculously on edge and grabbed a letter opener. He tried to assure himself that he was hallucinating from a weird sleep cycle. Opening the door, he plotted the apartment building layout in his head. Get to the lobby, find the package. As he passed the crooked painting again, he quietly set it down on the floor. As he looked from side to side, he wondered if he was losing his mind. Dylan ducked into the hallway quietly and tiptoed down the hall. Just in case, he said to himself. Doubting his sanity, he swore he heard the scurrying again. It got louder, closer, and then it stopped. Dylan held his breath as he reached for the door to the lobby. The door made a horrid, loud creak as it opened. The creaking of the door was abruptly followed by the sound of scurrying, fastly approaching. Dylan quickly grabbed his letter opener and swung around to find the creature there before him. Its clawed arm was raised, and Dylan stabbed the letter opener firmly into the creature's temple before it was able to slash him. The inhuman screech that came out of it pierced his clouded thinking and made his head throb. The creature thrashed, then lay still. Dylan took this chance. He crawled through the door into the lobby and closed the heavy door behind him. He looked down at his package and choked on cries, afraid to go back inside his building where the dead creature was. Was it truly worth it, all that he had done? He ripped open the package with his name on it, but inside was nothing but a piece of paper. Before he could read it, the scurrying came back. This time, faster, and coming from the door leading to the outside. A chorus of chirps and clicks that sounded more like laughter echoed all around him. Whatever that thing was, its screech had called more of them, and they were furious. Panic took over. And Dylan ran back to the door that would lead back to his apartment, yanking the heavy lobby door open, still clutching the slip of paper from the package. Then a sharp ache stabbed into his back and out through his chest. He choked up blood, the iron taste filling his mouth faster than he could swallow. He didn't die quickly this time. He was stuck on the claw of one of these things unable to move, and slowly bleeding out as he contemplated what would happen to him. Sure, he'd wake up again, but these things were everywhere. Inside the halls and outside his building. If he stayed inside his apartment, they'd eventually get him there as well. There was no running now. He was trapped in a time loop of hell. A nightmare he was doomed to repeat forever. More of the creatures gathered to chirp and cackle at him. Feeding on him as he fled. With the last of his strength, he held up the slip of paper he had found in the package. It was a drawing of that ancient, earthy-smelling jar from yesterday. It had been one of the many packages he had stolen off of porches. Below the bottle was a message. Dylan, I hope you keep enjoying my gift. This is why you don't open other people's packages.
2: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot
1: Two dolls for the price of one seems like a deal until they're home. Peaceful until separated, like in this story inspired by Elena's letter. Hi, Markeia. I just wanted to start by saying I'm a huge fan of the podcast and am a loyal supporter. I always look forward to Tuesdays because of it. I was going through your old podcast, as I always do, and listened to the horror story of Annabelle, which striked up my inspiration to send this in. We need this kind of story for the times we are all enduring. In childhood, my dad moved around a lot for his job. He visited many foreign countries and immersed himself in the cultures. On one trip, he went to India, which is a highly religious country with a rich history. While exploring India, he stumbled across this antique store full of dolls. They were all beautiful, but two stuck out to him the most, and they were the ones he brought back home. They were special, only sold as a set. So he bought two for the price of one final sale. When I saw them, a warm feeling washed over me. The dolls looked like they belonged together. The woman was dressed in a maquila sadar which is a traditional Asumez dress, worn by women in a deep crimson cover and bedazzled with beads and jewels. The man wore an angarka, the exact same color and decoration as the woman. Stitched on their garments were two names, Amruta and Akshi, both meaning immortality. Maybe I was drawn in from their overwhelming energy. Every time you were near them, your heart was full of happiness and love like you were complete. I live with three other siblings, and of course, once I said I loved them, so did they. But we had to split them up so my little brother could have one. He took Akshi that left me with Amruta, which I proudly placed directly in front of me. The feeling was now replaced with utter emptiness, like I was floating through a pitch black abyss for eternity. It was awful, but I didn't connect the two. This sounds dramatic, but her eyes pierced through my very existence. I can't explain it, but she looked so real, while not at all. It was the weirdest thing. Ignoring my sudden changes of emotion, I went to sleep. The next day, she was gone. I assumed my little brother took her and stomped in his room, ready to raise hell, but he beat me to it. Give me back my doll, he screamed. This striked me as bizarre, but the anger blurred any other thoughts. No, you give back my doll. We stared at each other. Both dolls were together in the direct center in between our rooms. This creeped me out, but I still blamed him and took Amruta back. This happened every night for the next week until I decided to do some research. Assuming the worst, I searched under dark spirits and possession but couldn't find any lore. That night, I used black tourmaline and burned sage for protection. I put a circle of salt around the doll. The next morning, the salt circle was untouched, and the doll was gone. That's when it hit me. What if this doll didn't hold an evil or a dark entity? So I searched again, this time for news about tragic love and deaths near where my father purchased the dolls. I found this story. A long time ago, there was a poor boy named Akshi and a beautiful and wealthy girl named Amruta. Ever since they laid eyes on one another, a romance blossomed and they were inseparable. Knowing their love was true, they walked hand in hand to Akshi's house. Akshi's parents erupted in smiles and tears, nodding and laughing, seeing their passion for one another. With confidence up, they went to Amruta's parents. That was the last time either of them were seen again. Rumor was that when they told Umruta's parents, they were disgusted. True love held no ground for the parents and they would not allow it. Umruta cried and threatened to elope. That is when they disappeared. Some believed they were brutally stabbed and burned in a fire. Their ashes then stuffed into the two dolls. And Ruta's parents had the dolls separated, but time and time again, they'd find their way back to each other. Their story really got to me. True or not, both dolls are now together in my room, safely tucked away. The thing that always confused me was how they both ended up in the same shop. Maybe because the door my dad had opened allowed them to find each other. Maybe even fate. I will never know, but I don't really need to. It still kind of terrifies me to be near them. Their energy and bond is so strong. Stay safe. Sending love. Elena. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Elena. And yes... It is entirely possible that the energies that people are experiencing out there can be from positive sources. It is not all dark and dark arts, my dark darlings. Not at all. Energy is just energy at times. And just the very strength of it can move you in different ways, like it did with Elena and her dolls. So you, my listeners, have you... And would you buy antique dolls from a market after everything that you've learned with stories like Annabelle and stories like Elena's? If so, send us your stories to somethingscaryatsnarl.com. Children are watched while they play by ancient spirits waiting to make them their prey. Like in this story inspired by Judene. Playing hide and seek was a classic childhood pastime. My siblings, cousins, and all of our friends would hide in places new and old while the seeker would look for us. Gradually, as more players were found during the game, those that had been found then became the seekers. It all went downhill when we played on the neighboring farm. It was abandoned by the family after their seven-year-old daughter was taken from her bed and found in the rafters of the barn. Well, half of her at least. We figured it was all just a story to keep us away. If there was ever a time I wished I had listened to my parents though, it was then. There were 13 of us in all. 12 of us spread out while the 13th counted to 100. There were many places to hide. I chose the bed of a pickup truck the family left behind as my hiding place. When I heard 68, the counting stopped. I poked my head up to see, to try to spot the counter, but where they had been was now completely empty. This was a tactic we used if we were the counter. We would stop counting and hide, wait for the hiders to run to the base, then tag them. Against what my instincts were telling me, I went over to the porch of the house which we claimed as home base. Not a soul was there except for me. This was strange because I knew one of my brother's friends had been hiding in these bushes, but I figured he had just been found and he and the counter went to find the others. I waited in silence for a few minutes, then something caught my attention. No, not a sound. In fact, It was the lack of sound that really piqued my curiosity. I got a feeling and decided to go for the old barn, that damned place. I stood at the doors of the red building. My gut kept telling me, no, don't go in there. But I couldn't help it. That little, why not, voice we all have was telling me to go inside. And so I entered. The old air was musty and dirty. Through the darkness, I saw movement. It was my youngest sister, Sarah. She was pale, but she was moving. I ran over to help her up off the ground, but noticed that only her upper half was moving around. I can't move. I... my legs. Sarah breathed, and I picked her up. I wasn't about to ask what happened when I heard an unnatural shriek behind us. The ground shook as I heard a giant slithering sound following close behind. Without looking back, I ran out of there with Sarah on my arms. I carried her all the way home. The others were found the next day. Their bodies ripped in half. Their insides ripped out and missing. Just shells of children. My sister Sarah recovered most of her previous mobility. It's been a lifestyle change for her, and she started to learn how able the world can really be. Before it all, we weren't really closest sisters. Being a decade apart, we wouldn't talk much. However, now that we have a history, a story, a warning to share, we've been closer than ever. We've researched what happened, and it turned out to be the Lamia a demon of shadow that preys on children. Her story goes back to a myth from ancient Greece. She was a woman whose child were killed by the goddess Hera after the wife of Zeus found out about his affair with Lamia. She destroyed his illegitimate children, turning Lamia into a vengeful beast that feeds on them. We realized it was her based on the descriptions of her victims. They were always found, split in half with the innards of the upper half and lower half missing. We read that a gift of honey and wine would ward her off. So now, every night, we set an offering out to Lamia to protect our own from the fate of our friends and our siblings. Thank you for inspiring this story for us, Judine. I remember having... ah. Uh, the absolute best times playing hide and seek in fields and meadows and neighborhoods throughout my childhood. I was a military brat, so there were many different cities that I played hide and seek in. I've had some experiences, maybe someday I'll tell you all about them, but none of them encountered Alamia. I feel for these friends, these cousins, these siblings, and for you before you play hide and seek. Perhaps now you know more of the entities that could be out there playing with you. Speaking of which, do you have any stories of ancient demons stalking our modern world? We love adaptations of myth for our times. Send us some fiction inspired by monsters of lore that you enjoy. There's no stopping death when it takes up residence in your home, like in this story inspired by Nair. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for this is a story of death. Even though it isn't chronological, we'll begin this story with my grandson, my wonderful, sweet grandson. His name was Alex, and his parents died when he was still very young. He grew up being raised by me. And the way Alex died, it's probably the strangest thing about his death. He looks scared and terrified, just like his parents, my daughter, and her husband. On the day they died, I found their bodies sitting in a corner with broken necks. Authorities chalked it up to a break-in and murder. They never found the killer. It was an image I would never forget. It haunted me day after day. Before I found my grandson's body, Alex seemed like an ordinary kid. He would happily help me with housework and read quietly by the window. Whenever it got dark, he would always tug my arm and follow me everywhere. Sometimes he would even make me watch him sleep in case anything happened. I found it so strange. Until one day, I finally asked him what was bothering him. As if we were being watched, he looked all around, didn't say a word until we were in his room. He locked the doors and searched his closet and under the bed. It's just us in this house, I assured him. After what happened to his parents, no one would be able to break in ever again, I promised. He shook his head and whispered, he is here. Day by day, it got worse. He would sometimes run away from things all of a sudden or shout or scream to himself in his room. I didn't understand. Until one day, it stopped. He had locked himself in his room and wouldn't respond. There was no sign of anyone in my security cameras. I looked at the footage near my grandson's window. It caught some of what was going on in his room. And I saw it. An invisible force pulled him above the floor in his room and slammed him onto the ceiling, over and over, breaking his neck. I broke the door down, and there he was on the floor, in the corner, dead. He is here, he warned me. In the room, I found a book on Alex's bed, a diary. I opened it, and inside the first page said, This belongs to Jason Jones, which was Alex's father's name. It was his old sketchpad. Inside the book were drawings of a creature that must have caused the death of my family. The creature wore a dark black hood and his eyes were red. I turned away from the book. And there he was, standing in front of me. The next thing I knew, my feet were off the ground and a crunching sound echoed in my ears in pain. Excruciating pain. When I woke up, I saw Alex reach out for me. Grandma, everyone's been waiting for you. He led me to the living room. On the couch, I saw my daughter and her husband, Alex's father. They looked so happy to see me. I was stunned. I've missed you, darling. I heard my husband say. I looked around but couldn't see him. As I looked to his favorite chair, it was shadowed. So glad
0: you could finally join us.
1: I heard my dead husband's voice distinctly say this again as the shadowed figure came into focus. And as I realized it came from the mouth of the creature sitting in his seat, the same horrific creature drawn within the diary. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty, Sabina Graves, and James H. Carter II. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edited by Fitz Harris and Calvin Lenderman.